Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, after having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, I'm excited you are listening in for season five, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and faith. This month, our first episode introduced my Dutch daughter, Lika. Lika shared about growing up in the Netherlands, how her first encounter with people her age who truly believed in Jesus was when she was in the U.S. on high school exchange uh, over five years ago. And she also talked about being content with her agnosticism and disbelief in the God of the Bible. Lika is a very special person in my life, and I loved her honesty and vulnerability in sharing her story. So if you haven't already, I want to recommend that you go and check out that first episode with Lika and hear her story. Um, you can find that and more um, over at findingsomethingreal.com. Since that first episode, we've been addressing some, some of the topics that Lika brought up. We had Christian illusionist and evangelist Brian Drake on to address some of um, Lika's questions about whether Jesus could have just been a clever illusionist or magician. And last week, we shared a very special episode where Lika and Shannon Moore, aka my dream guest and my very own mom, who I swore would never be on this podcast, talked about coming to faith. Um, I have loved those talks. And um, we, again, will put a link to those episodes in the show notes. Again, at findingsomethingreal.com, along with things like free resources and occasional blog posts, how you can get more involved with this program and ways to connect. And special shout out to those of you helping support this program as monthly patrons. Thank you especially to Brian and Jill who continue to support this podcast in significant ways through your prayers, encouragement, and Patreon support. Thank you, Brian and Jill. And if you want to learn more about how you can help with Finding Something Real, again, friend, it's all over there at findingsomethingreal.com. If you like this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. And Lika couldn't be here this morning to record with us. Uh, she texted me back this morning to let me know that she is vacationing in Cyprus. And she also sent me a video of her on a boat in the middle of some crystal blue sea with people jumping into the water and all the things. So tough life there, Lika. I know. If you, <laughs> if you ever listen to this episode, I want you to know that I'm happy for you. And sometimes 
admittedly a little jealous. I'm really glad you're having a good time with your friends in a beautiful place in the world, and uh, I wish you the best. Uh, But today, I'm very grateful to be here with a special returning guest. She originally came on this podcast back in September 2020, which feels like forever ago, to be honest, when she joined me with her brother, Andrew, to talk about the reliability of the Bible. At that time, um, and I believe she still is, she was co-hosting the Apologetic Simplified podcast on a regular basis. But uh, the reason I, I say think is because she's been through some pretty significant life changes over the past few months. So I'm interested in knowing what difference the past couple of years have made. I'm excited to welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, my friend, Leah Chapman. Leah, welcome back. Thank you so much. And, and Janelle, just to be honest with you, I'm I'm so happy to be here. But if, if I could teleport to where Lika is, I, I might do that. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. When she sent me that video on top of telling me about how wonderful it was, there was a part of me that was very ungodly. I'll, I'll oh, just yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, let's send nature still there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is what movies are made of. It, right. it reminded me of kind of like a James Bond-esque kind of thing, you know, like That's where fun. they're out in the middle of the sea. Yeah. People jumping into the water. Yeah. Um, so tell us how you're doing. Something significant happened to you recently. Right. My son, something significant is currently napping upstairs. Um, <laughs> I have a four and a half month old baby. It's my first one. Her name is Ellie. Um, yeah. She's wonderful. So she's definitely taken up... Um, all my time the past year, it feels like when I was pregnant, I had just had zero energy. So I just kind of sat around incubating this baby. And then (laughs) (laughs) the first she was born January 6th, first couple of months of the year, we took a break from the podcast um, and we just got back to it at the end of March. uh, But we're now posting every other week to apologetic simplified. So we're, we're, I'm starting to figure out how to to do life with a baby, but she's, she's wonderful. I mean, it's worth every single inconvenience or need to change or whatever she's just wonderful yeah and everybody has advice for you too I bet right like I remember that everybody wanted to tell me and now as an older I feel like now I've become this older mom because my kids aren't in diapers anymore I'm like man it goes by so fast you know and I'm saying the exact same things that people (laughs) said to me which is you know not helpful when um your baby's awake in the middle of the night you can't sleep very well all the brain cells are going to that child and you love them, but simultaneously, you're like, I just need some sleep and I want to feel human again. So um, I don't know. Maybe that's just my own experience. But uh, it, it's, it was those first few months of being a mom were like magical and crazy at the same time. Yeah. How, how do you feel like motherhood has changed you? Oh, gosh, it's shifted. I feel like God has used her and motherhood to really shift my priorities. You know, I, I had some like people pleasing tendencies, which is probably just completely shocking for a podcaster uh, <laughs> who talks to people. Uh, and it was just like some, some of those things about my personality that were um, maybe more selfish, that kind of stuff. It just shifted. It just, mm-hmm. and my perspective shifted things that used to bother me didn't. Cause I'm like, why would I worry about X, Y, or Z when I have this little baby here to take care of? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been great. Um, and yeah, I can definitely function on less sleep now, although we're very lucky that she, um, sleeps through the night, not every wow. night, but pretty regularly. Yeah. Uh, pretty regularly these days. So, um, that's nice. Although she's moving around more. So she's figured out how to wiggle into the corner of her crib 
and then mm-hmm. she can't move again. And then she cries. I have to get up and move her. Yeah. <laughs> Just pull her away, rub her back. She goes to sleep. Oh, yeah. Aww, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Has she started teething yet? she's acting like she's teething, but I can't find any teeth. Every day I look in her mouth and she just like glares at me like, why are you looking at my mouth again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she sounds wonderful. (laughs) She's so funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I miss that age because I remember that time between four and and about seven months. It's they're not always as mobile as but they are. So they're they're not as um, floppy as they were. Yeah. Which is for me, I was never like a real baby, baby person. So even though I loved having my babies, I loved when they, I, I didn't feel like I was going to break them anymore either. Yeah. And so yeah, it was a really special time. And then when they're not like able to crawl away from you too, it's great time for pictures. Great it feels like a sweet things. spot. Yeah, it feels yeah. like a sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. it's wonderful. Um, so tell us uh, more about your apologetics ministry. Um, for those people who maybe didn't listen to that previous episode, um, you said that you're recording uh, or putting out episodes every Tuesday, every other week. Um, tell whoever's listening about Apologetics Simplified. Um, real quick, what, what is Apologetics? I know I, we talk about that a lot on the podcast, but um, I'd love to hear it from you. And why is it simplified? Yeah. So apologetics, um, sort of a literal definition is like defense of the faith, but really what I like to think of it as is uh, asking and answering tough questions, which is exactly what you're doing, uh, is diving into those questions about the faith. It is. It's exactly is this apologetics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but I don't, yeah. So technically it's defense of the faith, but then people think, oh, well, we're being defensive. I'm like, no, 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 I don't, we don't want to be defensive, especially on our podcast. We try really hard to be gentle. Um, I think officially our tagline is, uh, we're a podcast about Christianity, theology, and culture. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of theology on our podcast too. Um, a lot of cultural stuff. Um, like we have an episode coming out about the secrets of Dumbledore next week. So, um, so we like to talk about movies and like how uh, do these themes relate to our faith? Um, what does this have to say about maybe sin nature or something sometimes? Um, so that's what we talk about. And then simplified because I think I started this podcast in seminary and, and I was starting to feel like there were these seminary ideas, uh, apologetics, these things we were talking about at this really high level, high level theology. And like, this stuff is really important. I'd really like to talk about this to like a regular person in a way that's easy to understand. And I don't mean dumbing down because I don't think that's necessary. It's just like if the cookie jar is on the top shelf, it's going to be difficult to get to. So I just want to move it down to the bottom shelf so you Mm. can easily um, access it. And basically that means talking about it in a way with like normal people words, or if I use theological words, explaining them um, so that really anybody can study and begin to understand apologetics and theology. I love that. Yeah. That's a great answer, because I think that there are so many great things to talk about, about, you know, the defense of the Christian faith. But if people can't reach that place, you know, where people are talking about it, then, I mean, you're missing, (laughs) I feel like people are missing the point, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's great to see it, uh, that you're doing that kind of ministry. I love it. Thanks. Um, I know you shared this in the past on this podcast, but what got you into talking about defending the Christian faith? Why is that a passion of yours? When I was young, I um, learned about apologetics in name in high school. I went to a Christian high school um, 
uh, in a class, uh, people have been talking about this apologetics class. It was, was, it was with one of my favorite teachers, um, but I couldn't fit it into my schedule. So I ended up doing an independent study, which meant I went and read apologetics books in the library. And then for my presentations, I would just come and talk to my favorite teacher about what I'd been reading for five minutes. Like it was, it was great. It was one of my favorite classes. Um, and, but um, not in name, like before I knew the word apologetics, um, I see my sort of study of apologetics starting when I was little bitty and I was out looking at the stars with my dad and um, I would ask him about the stars and uh, actually accidentally got him into astronomy through that. He bought himself a <laughs> telescope to be able to answer my questions about what is what and um, what, where is it all, whatever, all my little toddler questions about the stars. Um, and I just remember looking up at the stars, even as a little bitty kid and going, someone had to have made this. Mm. And I think that's really the first time that I was, that I did apologetics was thinking somebody had to have made this. This couldn't have been an accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why did you care to share that with people who maybe weren't able to reach the cookie jar, so to speak? Why, why are you passionate about that? Uh, because this stuff is important. Like, Everybody has questions from the most devout Christian um, apologist that you see writing books um, to somebody who's a baby Christian to somebody who's not a Christian at all. Everybody has questions. And so I want to make those answers um, easy to access because mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to be reading these high level theological journals when you've got all kinds of other stuff going on in your world. Yeah. Uh, you don't have time to figure out what that means. Uh, so I want to make it so where you can access it and access it easily. Yeah. I love that because so much of what we see on social media and on, you know, the webs, is that what it's called? The webs? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the internet yeah. um, is we see like this really dialed down um, content, you know, like TikTok yeah. or um, even books nowadays. I was reading a John Mark Comer book and, you know, he's got everything in very small chunks um, that are digestible to people. Mm -hmm. People are used to digesting things in small and accessible ways. And yeah. it's just obviously a passion of mine uh, hosting this podcast as well. And yeah. um, Lika, uh, who couldn't be here, I know you listened to her first episode. Yeah. Um, but she and I talked about uh, a couple different questions that I wanted to have you on here to just kind of chat through because I, like I said, love your ministry, love your heart. Um, but we talked about desires that are innate to humans. Uh, for example, the desire to be loved or the desire for good. Um, she told me in that conversation um, that she doesn't believe that you need God to determine what is good or not or for, to have love. Um, what do you think, Leah? And I, I just would love, you know, your candid thoughts on on those questions. Yeah. You know, my first thought when I thought when I was thinking about like, what do we need God to decide what is good? My first thought was, well, I mean, as long as you're not worried about being right. No, I mean, you can decide what you think is good and you can decide what you think is right, but that doesn't mean that it's, that it's correct, that it's uh, maybe good for all involved. You know, we can all make selfish choices that feel right to us, but maybe impact somebody else negatively. And so, you know, you made that on your, that, that choice to decide to do whatever thing that felt right at the time, but maybe it had negative repercussions you couldn't imagine. But uh, if you want to know what is good, then I think we need 
somebody, uh, I think it makes sense that there's somebody out there who put this conscience in us. We have that sense of conscience. Um, we have the sense of right and wrong. And I don't think that just came out of nothing. Um, I think that came from somebody who is moral and good um, and right. And that if we, we want to, um, so how do I want to say this? Um, if we wanted to do what is best and do what is right, we need to look to that person to determine um, what is good and right. And we're not going to do it perfectly because we're imperfect people. Uh, but by looking to God, looking to somebody who um, put that sense of conscious in us to help us decide what is right or wrong, rather than looking internally, then I think we're going to get it right a little more often um, than we would, would otherwise, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to push back a little bit on it because Lika's not here, so I promised her I'd advocate for her. Great. Anyone who came on here. But let's say, let's say Lika's right. And okay. it were evolutionary beings who it was all by chance. Um, and somewhere along the line, uh, hundreds and thousands of years ago, people just started deciding, hey, you know, it feels good to do things that are nice. And um, over a long period of time, people have constructed these ideas that they've made up that make them feel better. Um, what are your thoughts on something like that? Because yeah. I, I think that would be, and Lika, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I mischaracterized your your belief there, but I, I think that might be something she would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I think I remember her saying something like that in the first episode. Yeah. Um, what came to mind for that was a current hot button issue in our culture right now. And that's abortion with that whole leaked Roe v. Wade thing. And I think on both sides, people are genuinely trying to do what they think is best and do what they think is right out of a genuine place. Those who are pro-choice are genuinely trying to stick up for women and those who are pro-life are genuinely trying to stick up for the unborn and it's coming out of a genuine place, but we can't both be right. We just can't. Um, and so I think that makes that idea of sort of evolutionary right and wrong more complicated because we, we just, we can't both be right. There's gotta be like a, a set right and wrong on this. I, I believe, um, or else, I mean, we wouldn't be so torn as a country if, if it wasn't that important. I think mm -hmm. that's uh, that makes that, I think, a little more complicated of uh, this this idea of evolutionary right and wrong, just mm -hmm. as an example. But who who determines what's right or wrong? I mean, I think what Lika would say is she determines it, right? She would right. say, I get to determine my own way. You do you, I do me. I mean, I've heard this argument from multiple people, so it may yeah. not have been Lika, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, like it doesn't matter. Like, sure, as a society, we function well when we do these things that historically have worked well for human beings and we'll follow yeah. them because it feels good to follow them. But why does there have to be absolute truth? Because uh, I think just like at our core, I think that maybe we all believe in absolute truth. Or else we wouldn't get so passionate about promoting our truth. Like we wouldn't get so passionate about, yeah, again, just to going back to my example, fighting for Roe v. Wade or fighting against it. I mean, uh, just to flip the narrative, I know we're uh, as Christians used to fighting pro-life, but let's just say I was pro-choice. 
Like I wouldn't be so passionate about promoting Roe v. Wade if I didn't think that I was right about it. And that would be true for anybody who's promoting it. Um, we, I think we all at our core believe in an absolute right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, when we really, we really think about it, or we wouldn't care so much about promoting those ideals that we think are true and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what if it's just society that determines what's right or wrong? Uh, why does it have to be God? I mean, it, if society gets to decide what's right or wrong, it's a little, uh, it's a little scary. We look at different societies um, and they have different things to say about what is right or wrong. Um, We have countries invading other countries because they're saying that that's right. We have other countries trying to stop them saying that that's right. Um, uh, You know, that's a sort of a disheartening way to live. It's sort of a, uh, it's a complicated worldview Mm -hmm. uh, because how could you possibly determine what was right or wrong? That would be a disheartening way to live um, and way to believe just because who's to decide who's to decide what's right or wrong um, when it's a cultural thing, because every culture has a different idea about it, but they can't all be right. Yeah. We were just talking, um, (laughs) spoiler alert, uh, (laughs) to uh, an apologetics guy um, for an episode that's going to come out next month. Uh, we were talking, uh, a couple girls and I were talking with him yesterday, okay. and I, I can't remember um, it, what specific example he gave, but I'm thinking of like the Nuremberg trials. I think he brought that up mm. and um, about how, you know, Germany and, and Hitler um, was able to convince an entire society of uh, right yeah. and wrong, contradictory to um, God's law, so to speak, right? Like that there was a group of people that were uh, subhuman. And, um, when they prosecuted, uh, and I've watched like, it wasn't a documentary, but it basically was, it was with Alec Baldwin. It was like a reenactment of the Nuremberg Nuremberg trials, but there were people that came on that were, um, you know, defendants who were like, uh, talking about the Jewish people, like they were rats that they had Mm. to exterminate with no remorse, no sense of conscious, like guilt. This was just what they were told to do. But the reason that they were prosecuting them, they, the people that uh, were doing it, and which was all these countries, um, my understanding is they were saying, no, there's a higher level. Mm. There's a higher moral law. And if we didn't have that, then Hitler would be out scot-free, right? If we didn't have right. like something in us that was um, just totally uh, horrified at, at people treating humans that way. Yeah. That there's something in us. But I guess maybe to even go deeper in that question, if truly, and and I believe this, we are imprinted with this code that that God has uh, created us in his image, um, that we can know right from wrong, then why is it that people like Hitler, countries where uh, people, you know, do things that are so anti that moral law, why does that happen? Leah, why, what is the Christian response to that? Why, why do we see, um, such atrocities happen, um, against that so-called moral code? Yeah. Um, stepping back real quick, I think from, uh, 
non-theistic perspective it's just that happens because um that that's what happens when societies get to choose their own way but from a christian perspective um i think it's because of sin we can talk about the the fall of man adam and eve and how we all have this sin nature within us um, do we all turn out to be hitler no of course not um but we all have this sin nature within us. And as Christians, we believe that God gives us a new nature, but that sin nature is still there. Um, while we're on the earth, like it's still there. Um, and we still give into temptation to choose to do bad things. Um, and that's not even to talk about spiritual warfare to talk about, um, Satan and, um, the demons who want to, uh, lead people astray and lead people away from God and from the gospel. Um, and so of course that only accentuates the problem. It reminds me of thinking about Hitler reminds me of um, the screw tape letters written by mm -hmm. CS Lewis. Um, and he kind of gives an idea of what could it be like if you were a demon tempting somebody um, it's really well-written, really easy to read. Um, and it's um, even if you're not a Christian, I think it's interesting food for thought and it's it written in a pretty entertaining way too. So um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So Lika brought up that she believes in spirits, but not necessarily God, you know, the okay. God of the Bible. Um, and you just mentioned spiritual warfare. So for mm -hmm. somebody listening who's not a Christian, um, who's like, what? What, what was that? Yeah. Um, would you mind just sharing a little bit about the spirit world from a Christian perspective? And because Lika's right, there is spirit. There are yeah. spirits out there. And so I'd love for you to address that. Yeah, sure. So um, we have God, just to go way back to the beginning, there was God. <laughs> um, our Trinitarian God is what we believe. Um, and then God chose to create. And he created people, everything we could see around us. But then he also created these angelic beings, um, which it's believed that some of these beings led by um Satan, the deceiver, uh, chose to betray God and um, not act according to his will. And so that's what we call um, Satan and demons. It sounds and, and we all get these ideas of like the little horns and like comic book and movies representations, but um, they're nowhere near equal to God. Um, nowhere. They're created being Satan is a created being um, not anywhere near uh, God. And so we believe that now the angels who are still on God's side are out there. We can read about messengers. They often act as messengers throughout the Bible. I'm thinking, especially in, um, oh goodness, Daniel, Daniel, the one we see, I think it's Daniel. We see interacting with angels a lot in the old Testament. Um, and, uh, we read about spiritual warfare a little bit in, in that book. Um, and although is it Daniel, I, I feel like it's, Yes. Yes. There's Isaiah. I think I'm thinking of somebody Daniel else. Daniel too. Daniel's got some stuff. Yeah. In there. But Isaiah is yeah. a really good example too. Yeah. And so we read about some of that spiritual warfare, um, in the Bible. So yes, I mean, I guess I do believe in spirits, not ghosts in the sense of like my grandmother or something coming to visit. Um, but spirits in the sense of other created beings who are either still on God's side or who aren't and want to work against God. Hmm. Side note, um, I told my eight-year-old, because he was asking about ghosts, that there's a mention of ghosts in the Bible, which is when Saul um, 
right? Yeah. And um, I, I can't even remember the whole thing, but I remember King Saul, uh, he saw a ghost. Um, I, I think that's how it goes. We'll yeah. put the link in the show notes. Um, so I think he went to school and said something, and I don't know what his teacher said, but he came home and he's like, I can't talk about that anymore. <laughs> I was oh, like, no. You could always talk about Jesus. Maybe, you know, don't talk about ghosts, apparently. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that gets into an interesting uh, question, though, because as somebody who, like Lika, might be listening to this later, uh, hearing, wow, you know, Christians believe in spirits and different things. Yeah. One of the questions that she brought up is how is Christianity different from Greek mythology? Mm-hmm. And I I think that that's a great question um, because in her mind, you know, Christianity is along with all the other religions in her mind of, you know, made up things that, that man made up in order to feel better, I'm guessing. Um, So would you speak to that, Leah? Yeah. Um, What a, I think that's a really common question of like, okay, are you just rejecting one more God, you know, or I'm just, as an atheist, I know she says she's agnostic, but from the perspective of an atheist, I'm just rejecting one more God um, than you do. And so are these all just really the same ideas played out in different cultures which is a it's a fair question um for me i'm more than happy to think about okay could the greek gods exist um and that kind of gets us into worldview um think about who they are um what does their being a god um h- how are they defined how do they interact with the world um uh, what problems do they address in their world um and I'm going to use a big apologetics word, but I said I'd define it where the Greek gods sort of fall short for me is from an argument, again, argument explanation called the ontological argument, which can get complex. But uh, the simple version is that the greatest possible being is God. And so are these gods actually great? Um, We have, um, well, first of all, if I remember correctly, all of the Greek gods are created beings. They had a beginning, hmm. so they're not eternal. Um, but then on top of that, they're very human. Um, they're definitely, it seems to me, gods that are made in man's image. Um, they are not genuine, gen, uh, generally good people. I recently rewatched Hercules <laughs> and it's hilarious seeing Zeus as like this father figure who loves his wife and is faithful to her always versus when you read Greek mythology and Zeus is um, what's, what's a, a nice Christian word for slander sleeps around slandering yeah yeah uh yeah he is not a nice faithful husband um (laughs) at all um they're very human and they're not very good people they just don't seem like the greatest possible being um they they fall short in so many ways um versus looking at a christian god who is said to be eternal um is um doesn't come to earth and sleep around with women uh we get a god who uh addresses the problems in the world um again if we're taking the bible at face value i know that um, not everybody believes in that but just seeing what the bible has to say about god um we see a god who is very interactive in the world but does so in a way 
um, that is really for the good of people, not just seeking his own good. I mean, we believe that one person of the Trinity, Jesus, came to die um, so that we could die in that sin nature. We wouldn't have uh, to be ruled by that sin nature anymore and then rose again so that we can have new life and have that relationship with God. That is a huge sacrifice for God to make for us. Um, we have a God who is very intimately involved and um, who is very mighty. I'm reading through the Psalms right now and really interacting with how uh, mighty and holy God is. And so we have this both and. And so just comparing the Greek gods um, to the God of the Bible, we have a God in the Bible who is much greater, much more mighty, um, than uh, the, the Greek gods who are very human and finite um, and just aren't very good people as it is. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good answer. Um, one thing that Lika said while we were talking was, you know, there's all these religions in the world. Mm -hmm. There can only be one uh, that mm -hmm. would be right if there is one, right? Yeah. And um, which I thought was a accurate representation, right? If, yeah, yeah. Uh, if she's right, and I think she is about that, um, there could only be one. Um, why do you, Leah, believe that Christianity is not just another man-made religion, another made-up God? Um, why does Christianity stand apart from not just Greek mythology, but from Buddhism, yeah. Islam, all, all the things? Like, What is unique to Christianity that you can't find elsewhere, I guess? That's a big question. Yeah. So... Um taking a step back from just Christianity, I believe in a God period, um, because a little bit of what I said earlier that I believe looking around at our world, it just looks very designed. Like it looks like somebody made it. So that's why I believe in a God at all. But then even when we, you know, take that step, like you said, there's so many different religions. It's like, okay, well, what do we, what do we choose? Do we just choose what feels right? Do we choose what um, is the easiest to follow? Um, do we choose whatever has their worship building a block away? Like, what, what are we choosing? Um, and to me, the questions we need to answer are worldview questions. Like, what do each of these religions have to say about different things? And um, we actually did a world religion series on my podcast. It's either season three or four, but it was the summer of 2020. Um, and we went through a bunch of different religions and went through their worldviews um, and compared them to Christianity. And the four questions we went through were, what does this religion have to say about who God is and what God does? Um, what does this religion have to say about humanity? And what does this religion have to say about the problem with the world? And then what the solution is. Hmm. Um, and so the reason that I think Christianity... <laughs> Uh, to me checks all the boxes is who or what is God? God is this mighty being who is also very intimately and personally involved in our lives. Um, people are made in the image of God, not the other way around. We are made in the image of God. And so we have inherent worth and dignity because of that. Um, and then the problem with the world is our sin nature. That's why we have all these terrible things that happen, um, like World War II, like um, plenty of other terrible things we can think of. That problem with the world comes from our sin nature. Um, and the solution to that problem was Jesus. Jesus died and rose again. And all we have to do is 
accept that. And I know that you were talking about having somebody on to talk about the resurrection. I think the resurrection is some really compelling evidence for, um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, some really compelling evidence that the new Testament is true, that the Bible is true. And that, I mean, if Jesus really is who he said he was, um, then, then Christianity is true. So when I look at those worldview questions, and then when I look at the resurrection, I find that to be really compelling that Christianity, um, does tell the truth about who God is and who we are in light of that. Mm, That's good. So Brian Drake, who came on and talked about, um, whether Jesus could just have been a really good illusionist. He Mm. talked some about the resurrection, but I would love for you as an apologist, uh, to share with Lika or whoever's listening, why do you believe in the resurrection, Leah? What yeah. compels you to actually believe that it's not just a made-up story? Yeah. I mean, there's so many different roads we could take. I'll start with my favorite uh, uh, evidence, and that is the changed lives of those around Jesus. So um, we have Peter, who believed in... Um, who was you know a follower of Jesus before. He denied Jesus, came back. He was described throughout the Gospels as this really fearful, but also really, um, I don't know the right word. Bold's not the right word, but like <laughs> brash. brash. He wasn't maybe, good. maybe not thinking clearly. A bull um, in a china shop. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, after Jesus's resurrection, he changed from being this brash person to this seemingly much more thoughtful person. But then more than that, I think the people who are more compelling are the people like um, Paul, or he was Saul, the Pharisee, who was a persecutor of Jesus. He um, was, or of Jesus's people, rather, he was persecutor of the Christians. He thought that they were all heretics. They were blasphemers. They needed to be taken down. They needed to be killed for the things that they were saying about God. And that was his mission in life was just to end this new thing called Christianity. If nothing happened, Saul would have had no motivation to change from being this Pharisee with a good life, who was the persecutor, to flipping around and being um, pursued and persecuted himself for Jesus. Like, why in the world would he have done that? It wouldn't have been for no reason. There had to be a reason for his life to change so dramatically. So we have the story of Jesus dramatically appearing to him post-resurrection, blinding him, sending him off to, um, to, uh, one of the disciples to, um, have the scales removed from his eyes so he could see again and start this new life. Jesus called him and changed his life, um, in this very dramatic way. It couldn't have been, uh, mistaken for anything else, uh, for him. But if, if that interaction really happened, then that explains why he would have such a dramatic life change from this Pharisee who was living a good, easy life um, to this apostle who was living a very difficult life and died for it. Why would he make that change if he didn't actually interact with Jesus? Uh, We also have stories of um, people seeing Jesus and um, people argue that that was a hallucination perhaps out of their grief for their Messiah figure dying, but mass hallucinations don't really happen. So these lives that are changed to me is my favorite evidence. Um, But then even when we go back and read some of the historical documents of the time that aren't in the Bible, um, we have some really interesting uh, descriptions of these people like 
like Saul, and we have interesting descriptions of the events around the resurrection that seem to support that it actually happened. Um, if I remember right, it's in, um, there's some writings of Josephus around that time. Um, I listened to a debate between Bart Ehrman and Mike Lacona, um, <laughs> which talked a lot about those things. I can't remember them all right now, but there's other early documents that support the idea that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Yeah. yeah. So that's just some of those. Yeah. I remember hearing uh, Justin Brierley. I can't remember if he said it on this podcast, but he was saying about, because he's interviewed Bart Ehrman, I think multiple times. Yeah. He's like, there's some people who will see, and he was talking about anybody really, there's people who will see the exact same evidence and come to completely different conclusions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's, it's interesting um, because Bart Ehrman is a, uh, a secular New Testament scholar, right? That's what right. he does. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, is it Brian Lacona? Was that the other? Uh, Mike Lacona. Mike Lacona. Um, he loves the Lord and has, you know, the same. It's just, it's interesting how how we do that. Why, why do you think that is? Like, if we see um, the, the same evidence, I mean, going back to the pro-life, pro-choice, why, yeah. what, what draws us? in completely different directions? That's a hard question, but. It is a hard question. Um, and while I believe that God is the one who um, is the moral lawgiver, is often how it's said, um, and we need to look to God to know what is right and wrong, um, we still are, all of us are impacted by our experiences. Um, and so somebody who has maybe more experience with um, maybe they experienced an unplanned pregnancy. And so they're, they're pro-choice because they believe that was the right thing for them. Um, and uh, I think our own sense of right and wrong too plays into that of, mm. um, well, I think this is right. So this has to be right. So this evidence that I'm looking at needs to line up with what I think is true. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy for us to, it's very difficult for people to change their minds, for any of us to change our minds about anything. It's very difficult, especially something as important as say abortion or as important as salvation and God, like that's, it's very difficult for us to change our minds. And we want that evidence to line up with what we believe to be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's why conversations like this and this podcast is important because hopefully all of us, even as Christians, are willing to listen to other evidence and even just be open to the possibility that our minds could be changed. Mm -hmm. um, just just even the possibility, like like you saying, you know, what if Lika is right? Like, oh, like forcing me to open my mind. So what would that be like? Um, it's, it's so important because if we're just in our little bubbles and we're not thinking outside of our bubbles, um, then it, maybe it doesn't matter what evidence we see, because we'll find a way to either dismiss it or manipulate it to make it work in our worldview. Yeah. yeah. And when we put ourselves in these little places where we're just yelling at each other, yeah, uh, it doesn't, it, it doesn't do any help in the world. It just sows more seeds of discontent and yeah, yeah. frustration, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things Lika said, um, and I quote, which is interesting because it's kind of all around what we've been talking about. Yeah. So we're having a very uh, parallel conversation here in some ways. She said, I think that you should live your life the way you want it. I don't think there's necessarily a purpose to life. Mm. Um, why, 
why would you disagree to that, Leah? What, what do you, how would you respond to that? Yeah. I mean, living your life however you want is a really, um, it's a nice idea. It's a very common idea. Uh, but then when we get into what that looks like practically, it's just everyone has such a different idea from culture to culture of what that looks like. Um, so I think seeking a purpose um, is is perhaps a step. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Let me think. Um, so as a Christian, um, if I believe that my purpose in life is to worship God, to love God, um, Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. If that's my, my purpose, then the decisions I make in my life, um, are going to fall into those two categories. I'm going to love God by trying to, um, honor him. Um, I'm not going to do it perfectly, but trying to live a life that is pleasing to him instead of sinful. And then when I do sin repenting, and that's a way that I'm loving God, Um, And then loving others, looking out for other people, looking out for their needs as well, um, just as I would my own, just as I seek to make sure that I have clothes and food, looking out for others to be able to do the same. And so if the purpose in my life is loving God and loving others, um, it's in some ways very simple. Like it's, and, um, and of course, everybody, because we live in a world that doesn't have the same worldview, there's going to be those who disagree with that, of course. Um, but I think it it makes sense in our world to 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 worship God, to um, to um, look out for others just as we do ourselves. It's very simple. I was listening to um, Charles Price. He. I can't remember if he's originally from the UK. I think he is. I think he was a long time um, president or I don't know, leader of, uh, one of the torchbearer schools in England. Um, maybe the only torchbearer schools I, I mm. could just be like making this stuff up. Um, but I think now it might be the people's church that he's, um, a pastor of, or he was in Toronto, Canada, but anyway, all that to say he was at Cannon beach Christian conference center last August. Um, I'd previously been told about him by a guy named Josh White, who's been on this podcast a couple times, um, who said that his sermons had changed his life. And so when he came back last year, I was like, oh, I got to go listen to this guy. And they shared everything online. So you can find the videos on YouTube. If you Google Cannon Beach Christian Conference Center, Charles Price, you can listen to the talks that he gave. They're fantastic. But one of the things that he said in there um, he was talking about, and I, I looked it up later because I wanted to know the original source. I couldn't find the original source, but I found an article about it. It was in the Gospel Coalition. Um, but there was, I, I, I think the story goes like this, a seminary professor who surveyed like all of these students in seminary. And she asked them uh, a question along the lines of, um, how do you like, do you really believe that God loves you? Mm. And of those seminary students, uh, very few, I think it was like two actually said, I absolutely believe that God loves me. Mm. It was so, so small. 
And it reminded me of uh, something that I read um, and watched, actually, in Ragamuffin Gospel. It was the story of Rich Mullins. Um, he was listening to Brennan Manning. You can find this on YouTube as well. And Brennan Manning was saying, I believe that on the day of judgment, I'll stand before Jesus and the Lord Jesus will ask one question and only one question. Did you believe that I loved you? Mm. Uh, and I, for years, uh, I, even on my Facebook profile, I said, love God, love people, nothing else matters, which is so true. Jesus said it. He said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two. And, uh, you know, the commandments that sum up all the rest, something uh, I'm mischaracterizing a little bit, but that's what he said. And, um, something that Charles Price brought up in that sermon that I think is so true is we cannot love God unless we realize that he really truly mm. loves us. Yeah. And I think of um, Lika and young women like her and, and even young women that are in the church, which is why I do this podcast um, for girls like Lika and girls that are, you know, being raised in Christian homes too. But like, unless we actually know his love, it's impossible. It just works. It just becomes works. It becomes us trying to earn that with God when really, you know, we love because he first loved us, which is yeah. what the Bible says. Right. Um, anyway, that was kind of a tangent, but I just, yeah. I agree with you. It's like the greatest commandments, right? Love God and love people. But unless we really know. So how do you know that God loves you, Leah? Yeah, it's, you know, that story you just told about seminary. I just graduated from seminary in 2020. I was there for five long years. Um, and it gets so easy to get into the academics and study and learn about God without truly experiencing God and realizing how much actually God loves me, not based on how well I did in the theology class, but just because he made me and I'm his child. Um, and Ellie's birth made me realize how much God loved me. Mm. I'm like, if I can love this person so much, and I, I mean, I made, I grew her. <laughs> if I can love her this much and God made me, there's nothing Ellie could do to make me not love her anymore. And so if that's true with me, a sinful person, how much more does God love me knowing um, as, as a perfect being? who, who made me and loves me, like how much more does God love me? And that's, um, I think just recently, that's where it really hit home for me, um, was realizing just the depth and the magnitude that I'll never fully be able to grasp that God loves me. And that's, uh, it's refreshing and relaxing <laughs> to know I don't have to work for it. I, the thing I have to do, anything I do is because I want to show God that love back. It's not to earn it. It's just to continue to show him and thank him for the love and the salvation he's given me. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone like Lika who's never known that love? Yeah. First of all, I just love that Lika is willing to be on this podcast with you. Uh, uh, so Lika, if you're listening, awesome. I love it. I love that you're willing to share. Um, so... We can live our lives um, without God. People do it. But there's something refreshing 
about knowing that no matter what you do, there is somebody out there who will always, always love you and is always pursuing you and wants to spend eternity with you, that Jesus died for you. Yes, for everybody, but you're included in that. You are part of everybody. Um, God will always love you. God will always be pursuing you. Um, And God wants that relationship with you. God wants uh, to be spending time with you because he loves you so much because you are one of his creations. Um, And so in that sense, you're his child. He wants to spend that time with you. Um, And he wants to have a relationship with you because he loves you so much. And um, even if you don't know it, it's still true. He still loves you so, so much. Um, And he hopes that you will one day accept that gift of salvation from Jesus so that you can have that relationship with him um, and rest in that. Um, And frankly, for somebody like Lika, who's exploring the world, you're going to get to see the world perhaps through a new light as you admire the beautiful beaches, (laughs) as you, (laughs) as you explore this amazing world that God has created. Um, And maybe even through that, you'll get to know him um, a little bit more if uh, you or others like you decide um, that this Christian thing, um, is true. Mm-hmm. Like we believe it is. Yeah. That's great. All right, Leah, uh, real quick, if people want to know more about apologetics simplified, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find apologetics simplified on any podcast app, or you can go to leahchapmanorg slash podcasts and they're all there. So, um, and we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, Technically, we have an Instagram and a uh, uh, Twitter and a TikTok, but I don't use Twitter and TikTok. So (laughs) Facebook and Instagram is where you'll find us. Awesome. Yeah. Final question. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. An acronym for real there, restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love of those four gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now, Leah, and why? Yeah, I think, I think authenticity today, yeah, stands out to me of, um, in my relationship with God, I get to be more authentically me because I'm learning more of who God made me to be and getting to unearth that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Somebody, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Drew Berryessa. He's been on this podcast a few times, but he was talking about authenticity. Um, and I had researched this too, that the the root word is the same for author and how mm-hmm. our authenticity is a reflection of him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, it's so good. So that's, good. that's great. Yeah, I know. I, it was that. really cool to kind of research some of that. Anyway, uh, Leah Chapman, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you uh, that your, your baby sleeps really well too. I'm so <laughs> <I know>. impressed. <laughs> I'm always a little scared when I tell people that she's going to stop, but you know. (laughs) No. Oh, man. Well, I hope you come on again. And thank you so much for being here. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. 
Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.